football podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end recommendations based on opposition matchups. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and as always, I am joined by my lovely 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 co-host denny Carter. denny what's going on buddy uh, nothing much except for everything um because um this is the busiest time of, of the season in fact i i enjoy august i think more than the regular season i don't know about you but uh hope hope is alive in august and you can't say the same for september and october that's true that's true i really i don't mind like september october most of november and then thanksgiving hits and i i'm I'm done i'm just done after thanksgiving it's really tough to be motivated after that time it's such it's such a slog from thanksgiving to the end of the season and which is why i'm i'm looking forward to uh, you know, the NFL eventually expanding to like a 27 week right, uh, regular right. season. Yeah. What's really cool about what the NFL did is that I usually would be able to take off after week 16 because that was that was uh, fantasy football finals. Right. Uh, and, and I would be able to enjoy time with my family over the holidays and not have to worry about that much. And now because of Roger Goodell, my family hates me. <laughs> right, right. You can blame Raj. Right. Right. It's all his fault. It's all, his but, fault. but they won't listen. I think that your family will still, and, and my family, my wife. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually writing a, a handwritten letter to Roger Goodell saying that my wife is going to leave me because you expanded the 17 weeks. And yeah. I think that's the way it goes. Um, before we get into the show uh, completely, uh, I, I just wanted to real quick address something that happened to me online, happened with me online last week. Um, it was a situation where a, a, a member of fantasy Twitter, uh, Samantha Previtt, was uh, run off of Twitter after uh, tweeting about how she would rather use the word roster ship or roster over own uh, in, in, in fantasy uh, vernacular. Uh, this is something I think we've, we've addressed on the show. I think the big companies have addressed this as well, this, this sort of language and we we try not to use the word own. We we still sometimes do slip, and I and I do too. But I just run it real quick. Say I handled that all wrong. Like uh, I made it about me, and it wasn't about me. Um, and I I regret that because it could have been a moment I think where I rallied people to the cause of of thinking about you know this language, and I blew it completely because. Um, it became a fight uh, between me and a bunch of dudes who had already gone after uh, Samantha, who is a very funny, intelligent, uh, you know, uh, member of of our little fantasy community. Um, I was mad. <clears throat> I was upset online, and I know you're shocked to hear this, JJ. I was upset online, but uh, that, and I, I, I let that get the the best of me, and uh, it, and then it just became. Uh, <laughs> A pissing match between me and uh, 500 people. So I didn't handle it well. I'm sorry. It's not about me. I was mad that 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 a bunch of guys ran a woman offline. And uh, I'll try to I'll try to do better next time. 
Look, it's, it's big of you to be able to see that and to be that self-aware and understand that. <clears throat> I mean, I, I didn't read your mentions because I'd probably get pissed off myself. Oh. If I did that during that process, but um, you know, I, I think it's, it's important, you know, for you to say that so that people understand that number one, you know, I, I do think often there's this idea that if you have a readership listenership following of some sort that you can't get upset or that you can't have emotion towards things that are happening online. And that's just not true. I mean, there's things that, you know, I try my best to, to not get angry at responses that come my way. And I think I've, you know, grown. I mean, the thing, like a lot of people have seen me grow as a human being through my full t- being full-time doing this as my job. You know, I started doing this when I was 24 years old, you know, it's wow. like, uh, this is, it's been a decade now. And I, it, anyone listening to this, I mean, you, who's, who's older than 24, you know, that, you know, your, your self changes a lot throughout your twenties in the way that you view the world. And, uh, you know, the way that I would handle things back then is certainly a lot different than I handle them now, but even still, um, you know, it's really easy to, to just get worked up, uh, even still, you know, today, not we're all human and we're, we're, we all have flaws and it's not easy to just like sit there and just like take crap all the time. Right. Right. Um, and it's big that you're, you're able to, to be self-aware of how you handle that. And I, I think, look, I think that you're right too. You know, like it's, it's, I understand why you reacted the way that you did a hundred percent. Um, you know, I, it's not the way that I handle my social media, obviously so no. <laughs> we, we go about it differently, but like, you know, I, I understand why you reacted and handled it the way that you did. But I also think that it's really big to be able to reflect yeah. and say, yeah, it was probably not the best way to, to go. Right. No. And, and it's, and it's not like, I, I quickly realized what I had done. I, I was provocative, challenging, Right. I basically asked people to come at me, not thinking that they would. I thought I I didn't I didn't understand the gravity of of the situation. All I knew is that I saw a woman on fantasy Twitter. So we're talking about, you know, fantasy Twitter is what point three percent women, okay? Right. And and the one you know one of the the more successful women in in the community has to delete her account because. Right. Because guys felt slightly disrespected about how she how she posted, that that doesn't happen with men. That doesn't happen with dudes. I'm sorry, it 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 just doesn't. So I can't imagine what she went through, because I can tell you from my DMs, it wasn't fun, it wasn't enjoyable, it was a little bit frightening at times. Um, I felt obliged to speak up. I should have done it differently. Anyway, we can get on with the show. Speaking, speaking of men versus women and taking crap online, uh, you know, like if you go and you look at any female in sports and see a tweet that they send, there's at least half the responses are, are related to their appearance, like, like legitimately. And so like, if it's like a video or something that they had posted, not just like a random take. And so, uh, this past week, Arizona, uh, it became legal to play DFS and stuff in, in Arizona. And Fandle asked me to just do a very quick video being like, Arizona, like it's you yeah. know, DFS is open, whatever. Welcome. So we, we we posted a video and it was me, like the, the first, it's only three seconds of me. And then it got into like some graphics and stuff with me doing a voiceover. And I got a response from someone. Maybe I, this person might have been joking because <laughs> I, I've mentioned great clips so often on the show and how I go to great clips. But uh, he mentioned something about, is that a sports clips haircut? Right. And I, and, and I like you, I could either take it as like this dude's coming at me right now for my haircut, or he's just having fun because I've talked about this on the show. Maybe right. he's one of the, the few living the, you know, the 17 living the stream listeners. Um, 
And so I responded and I was like, actually, it was great clips. And then like someone else had responded and was like very clearly making fun of my haircut. <laughs> like this next person who right, responded. Right, right. And I'm thinking like, I'm not getting like angry. Like, I don't really care. I even like sent it to my one friend. And I was like, is my hair bad? In this video? Like what's going on here? But then I started thinking to myself, like women take this shit all the time. Sorry to get nonstop all the time on social media. Go read any of the comments after they post a video. It is at people saying like, oh, I love that dress or, you know, oh, you gained a few pounds or something like that. And I'm just like, what the yeah. hell is wrong with people? Like, it, can we, can we please, please, for the love of God, like, I, I understand if you want to get mad online about like the, the own versus roster, whatever, like, fine. That's like a, that's, that's not, you're not really attacking an individual necessarily. Like you're attacking like a general idea more than anything else. But when you're, and I don't necessarily agree with that either, but I'm just saying like, it's very different versus attacking the actual human being and the way that they look, the way that they act. And it's always someone who's got an anonymous account on yes. Twitter with a dog as their avatar. It's always right. that dog person. A anonymity. Sorry to the dogs who are listening, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, anonymity is an incredibly effective and powerful weapon online. And I, I had, I, I had sort of forgotten about that because it's been a long, long time since I've gotten into a, uh, a kerfuffle yeah. like that. And uh, the, the the nastiest, most horrifying things were were DM'd and and said uh, in the replies by anonymous guys, and they can say whatever they want. And right. yeah, it's uh, I I don't I don't know, and I can't imagine what women in sports go go through every day. It's uh, truly horrifying. Yeah, it really is. Um, so, Denny, before we get to our bold predictions, uh, we're yeah. going to each give two. We do this every year. Uh, if you guys have listened to the Late Round podcast or read my article, you'll you, you already know what's coming from my end. But it's you know some of you haven't, and it's still fun to talk about it. Uh, but what's going on over at NBC Sports Edge? Yeah, glad you asked. Uh, well, we had about seven hundred and eighty blurbs, something like that, yesterday uh, when as uh, rosters were cut down. On Tuesday, uh, lots of updates, kind of uh, how backfields shook out, how wide receiver groups shook out. So check out the site, but also check out our draft guide. Our draft guide has tiered rankings for every conceivable league that you could ever want. So check it out. It is at NBCSportsEdge.com. Do you want to give the first bold prediction? I do. I do. And I hope that this is bold enough. Um, I'll just give it a whirl. We didn't we didn't run these by each no, other. I have no idea what you're about to say. So no, <laughs> I, I could say anything <laughs> at this point. All right. All right. Um, Dan Arnold hmm. will be a top 10 tight end this year. Dan Arnold. Well, this is some this is some Terrace Marshall slander right here. Like in, no, in, it indirectly, is. indirectly. It is. You're right. You're right. OK, I rescind it. No. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's true. Yeah, Terrace Marshall does, uh, you know, entered my mind as I was coming up with this bold take. Um, but it was hard to ignore tight end usage in Carolina last year. You had uh, Ian Thomas, who <laughs> could have been a, uh, a, a mainstay in, in LTS circles, but sadly was not. He ran the ninth most routes among all tight ends last year, right, somehow. Um, he drew only 30 targets and he was a complete non-factor statistically. Um, by all accounts, uh, according to The Athletic and other publications, Dan Arnold has been a, the go-to the go guy uh, for 
Sam Darnold. I, I, those are very difficult names to mix and match um, in the red zone in training camp and in the preseason. Uh, Arnold was uh, it, Arnold is not bad. That, that's the thing is like he actually might be kind of good. Mm-hmm. Dan Arnold was seventh in fantasy points over expectation last year. Uh, some I don't understand how that happened, but he makes uh, he makes the most of his opportunity. Um, and honestly, a top 10 tight end is not saying a, a whole lot. But I mean, where, where, from where you could get him in drafts, it would be a major value. So he's your he's your uh, late round like Logan Thomas type breakout this year. I, yeah, I I think because he's he's going to run a lot of routes, and that's kind of what you know what uh, helped me come come to terms with Logan Thomas as a late round pick last year. Is like, oh, like this guy's going to be on the field a lot this year. Um, I, I think Dan Arnold will be much more touchdown dependent because he has to compete with for targets with a great receiving core, right. And, and, uh, Robbie Anderson more and, uh, your, your boy Terrace. So, um, it, it might not be so easy, but, uh, I, I, I think that everything is looking up, uh, for Dan Arnold. I'm going to go with the bold prediction that was actually tweeted from the FanDuel account, uh, at one point and, and got a lot of hate, uh, just, just, I mean, like borderline death threats from this, uh, oh, from this take, uh, it was, it, it's that it's that the best fantasy football quarterback this season with the first name Justin will be Justin Fields. Oh baby. <laughs> so, so so the the thought process behind this is obviously the uh, the cheat code, the Konami code that you get with right. r- with rushing quarterbacks, right? Uh, I think Justin Herbert's capable of maybe eventually being a jo- I think he's capable of being a Josh Allen type. I just don't think he's aggressive like Josh Allen is on the ground. Right. And so I, you know, <clears throat> there's a very real possibility. We just don't see that at all from Justin Herbert. Um, we saw it a little bit last year. He had like five rushing touchdowns, but down the stretch last season, uh, Justin Herbert uh, was, was not the best fantasy quarterback. He, he scored fewer than 17 fantasy points in four of his uh, final six games. He saw his touchdown rate from the, from the first half of the season to that point in the season drop by about two and a half percent. So what happens if he has somewhat of a sophomore slump? That's the the downside of Justin Herbert. And we know that he's not bringing a lot of juice with his legs. Whereas yeah. what, what we've seen over the last couple of years is top 12 quarterbacks uh, have, have gotten a lot more fantasy points or a larger percentage of their fantasy points coming via the ground. They've come, uh, you know, over the last two years, it's been well over 18% of fantasy points among top 12 quarterbacks have been scored on the ground. Whereas the, the eight to 10 years before that, that number was closer to 12 to 15%. Um, so we're seeing more and more rushing quarterbacks jump into the top 12. Uh, Justin Fields, we've already seen him flash that in the preseason. He ran a 4-4-4-40 at his pro day. Uh, I mean, the dude is it has a, a high ceiling, even though he's a rookie. I mean, it's just this is just the way that fantasy football works. So, you know, I, I would say that this is more of a points per game thing because we don't know when Justin Fields is going to find the field. Uh, but I would not be shocked. Really, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Justin Fields ends up outscoring on a points per game basis, Justin Herbert this year. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, it is, it is bold. I'm not saying it's not bold, but it is, uh, it's, it's reasonable also because of, because of the rushing, Uh, just look at the way this is my film analysis on Justin Fields. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. Let's hear it. Watch, watch him in the preseason. That guy glides. He just glides. I mean, just, just like it reminds me of the way like Josh Gordon used to glide and like be, be faster than everybody here. here, here, What it reminds me of Vince young. Remember when Vince young, it never looked like Vince young was even running and he he would be like 15 yards past the, you know, the, the linebackers. Like it's just, 
that that's the way that I feel with Justin Fields is that he's just so fast and so athletic and he can escape the pocket so quickly. And then you see that one tight window throw that touchdown that he threw that, you know, everyone's like, Oh, wasn't it wasn't like, why is this so special? No, it's like a great throw. Like that was an incredible throw. <laughs> I don't care that he's playing against second stringer. He's also playing with second stringers. And so I'm excited to see what, what Justin Fields can do. I think he, he's an incredible passer. I, I, you know, the, I'm sure that he's a little bit raw or whatever, but like, according to the athletic reporter for the bears, um, it feels just wows coaches every day with the way he, he, he changes his arm angle. Like, He's a really, he's a good passer, but that's, you know, for fantasy purposes, we're, we're looking for the, for the rushing and it is just, uh, it's hard to overemphasize how valuable it would be for your quarterback to roster a quarterback who, who rushes for 50, 60, 70 yards a game. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, with, with Justin Fields and his passing Jim Sonis at number fire, uh, does a, uh, a, a statistically superior quarterbacks is what he calls it article every year on college prospects and Justin Fields strength of schedule last season was essentially the hardest that we've seen of any quarterback over the last decade. Really? And he still was that good. Yeah. Wow. So he's, he, he's got a lot going for him. I'm excited uh, to see what happens, especially when he actually gets like Allen Robinson to, to yes. throw the ball to. Right. And, and moon, <clears throat> excuse me. And Mooney. Yeah. My yeah. voice, my voice is already going right now and it's not even the start of the season. Like I can already feel my throat is like raw and I'm not even like, I haven't even started doing the four episodes per week. I, I talk too much uh, these days. I just need to need to stop talking. All right. Uh, my ready for my second one. Yeah, let's hear it. Second bold take is that Terry McLaurin will finish as a top five wide okay. receiver. That's not super hot because he's going at wide receiver 13 at the moment. Um, but he was wide receiver 20 last year in points per game with by far, by almost any measure, the worst quarterbacking situation in the entire NFL. Just, just to give you an idea of how bad Dwayne Haskins was, uh, he had the lowest, uh, catchable rate on, on his throws of 57% and the lowest on target rate of 43% last year. And somehow, some way. Terry McLaurin still turned in a top 20 fantasy season. It's a, he has a massive upgrade at quarterback, obviously with what, with whoever, with Fitzpatrick, with Heineke, with, you know, with either of those guys. Um, I think it's a, it's a market upgrade Uh, guys who can get it downfield can make stronger throws, more accurate throws. Um, And, you know, like I said, he's, he's being drafted, you know, at, at, at wide receiver 13. So it wouldn't be a monster uh, type type deal for him to outperform his ADP by seven by seven spots. But I, I think he has a ton of upside in both receiving yards and and touchdowns. He was 13th in receiving yards last year. I had no idea. How did that happen? Yeah, he's good. That's how he's a very, yeah. very good wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stick with a, uh, a onesie position. Um, bold prediction here. I'm going to say both Tyler Higby and Dallas Goddard will finish outside the top 12 at the tight end position this year. Oof. So here's, here's why I feel this is a thing. So over the last 10 years, uh, if you look at tight ends drafted between around six through nine, nice, uh, that <laughs> were, were not the first pass catcher drafted from their team. So that's Dallas Goddard. That's Logan Thomas. Even that's Tyler Higby <clears throat> because you have, you know, Devonte Smith, 
both Rams wide receivers uh, and Terry McLaurin, who you just mentioned being drafted ahead of those guys. We've had 55 of those types of tight ends of those 55, only three of them uh, broke out in any significant way. Uh, The guys who you really want to target are tight ends who are the first pass catchers being drafted uh, from their team, which is why you should feel fairly confident this year. And a guy like Mark Andrews, a guy like TJ Hawkinson, um, even though they're not totally mid round picks, they fall in that fifth round area pretty often. And it still sort of applies to them regardless. Uh, Tyler Higby, I understand has the ceiling because of Gerald Everett and, and what we've seen in the splits with and without Everett. But we also should be cognizant that that's a small sample and it shouldn't shock anyone if, you know, he's just not involved like we think that he's involved. That's the downside for Tyler Higby. The downside with, with Dallas Goddard is honestly Zach Ertz. Uh, like, if, yeah. if Zach, like, I feel like the market has not corrected enough with Dallas Goddard to correct uh, Zach Ertz being on that team. You know, Goddard last season uh, had basically his, he had one, one big performance with, with Zach, Zach Ertz healthy. When Zach Ertz was not healthy and not playing, that's when Goddard really blew up. Uh, that's when he, I think he had like four top 12 performances last year and three of them came when Zach Ertz was out. Um, and so I'm very nervous about what that could look like. Not only that, but we don't know what kind of passer Jalen Hurts really is yet. Um, we know that Jalen Hurts is a great fantasy quarterback, but we still have that in the back of our heads. Uh, we don't know how pass heavy they're going to be. There's just a lot of ambiguity there. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, I feel better about Tyler Higby, honestly, at this point than Dallas Goddard. Um, but, but I, I don't, I, you know, I, I was more into Higby in like July when I was thinking about like upside and all this stuff, but there's still just such an opportunity cost in that area. Cause I really like a lot of the wide receivers there that I've gotten to the point where I'm just not drafting those tight ends. I'm either getting a top six tight end, uh, or I'm just punting and getting like Janu or something like that later. Um, and so yeah. this is, this is sort of like playing into how I feel about the market in general with these tight ends, but also I think these individual guys, um, just have a lower floor than, than where they're being drafted right now. I have come around on Logan Thomas over Higby. Yeah. yeah um, and I, I, w- I really wasn't there uh, back in July, but in August, I, I've definitely come around to that idea, um, partly because of his quarterback upgrade, but also because of his, uh, because of Thomas's place in the offense. Like he, he definitely has a place in that Washington offense. We're not positive about, about Higby's place uh, with, you know, in, in the LA offense, uh, Goddard, Goddard should be like a late round flyer. <laughs> like, like Ertz, Ertz is a late round flyer. Yeah. It, it, like I, I understand the way people view Goddard, but it, it's still like, like at the end of the day, his ADP has not shifted that much since we learned the news that it's likely that Zach Ertz is going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. Yeah. I mean, that it all came down to that. Like, yeah, it hasn't, the, the ADP has not corrected itself, not even close uh, to, to what you would think, you know, you, uh, how you would think it would be corrected, but I actually am okay. If you're, if you're really desperate, if you've completely faded tight end in your drafts, I'm, I'm all right with taking Ertz as just a cheap PPR machine. Like he's always been, you know, uh, Rich Rebar has always called Ertz, uh, souped up Jason, Jason Witten, right. Or right, something. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, he's basically yeah. this, he's like, he's like new era, Jason Witten. Yeah. And, over and whenever he gets the ball. you know, it works for a late, uh, a late round guy, but yeah, Goddard, Goddard is probably good. Probably great. You know, he could, could, could be a really great fantasy producer one day if Zach Ertz ever goes away, but it didn't happen. So we have to adjust our ranks. 
Yeah. All right. So let's get to, so we have some questions to answer. We got some from our lovely patrons over on Patreon, and then we have some from Twitter as well. So we can get to these. The first one is uh, we'll start with the guys on Patreon. Uh, Carlos says lost Irv Smith. He's done for the year more than likely and was planning on streaming tight end here. Help 12 team PPR. Do you have any, uh, you know, just general dart throws at the tight end position that you think people should be looking at right now, maybe for week one, maybe have season long upside. I think that tight end streaming, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's a little bit more difficult because you should be, you should always be looking for that season long potential, but we have very, very little data to work off of right away early in the season. And you're talking about like, like you're just hoping to luck into a touchdown for the most part. That's right. I mean, you know, we're going to use evidence like this team should score a lot this week. They have a good quarterback, et cetera, et cetera you know, the matchup looks good on paper, but we don't know that as much, you know, going into week one. So, you know, who, who are some, let's just talk general late round, super late round as well. Tight ends that you're okay with drafting that you think might be on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues right now. I mean, Ertz, uh, obviously my guy, Dan Arnold, top 10, uh, lock it in. Um, those are two guys that come to mind, I guess. I guess someone like, um, like Conklin from Minnesota. Now that, now that, uh, Irv Smith is probably done for the year. Really unfortunate. Um, but I, and I know they signed Chris Herndon and I think they did that because Conklin is a, is a good blocker and they value Minnesota values him as a, as a good blocker is a part of that running attack. So it's possible that once Herndon becomes acclimated with the system that Herndon will take on that pass catching role. But I think to start the year, I think Conklin is fine. So I did a, a study on, finding breakout tight ends. And one of the things that is glaring is that breakout tight ends generally have good quarterbacks associated with them more so than wide receivers. So if you look at all breakout, the way I defined it is I looked at ADP versus postseason result. I found a trend line and then I found which players exceeded that trend line, exceeded expectation, mm-hmm. um, you know, most. And so at the tight end position, I use 75 or more points because there's just not a lot of tight ends at wide receiver. I used hundred or more points to get a big enough sample size for both positions at wide receiver. The, of the breakout wide receivers, the average ADP of their quarterbacks was QB 19. So it was very, it was, it was pretty much irrelevant, you know, where their quarterbacks were going at tight end. It was like QB 11 to 13. I can't remember which one it was like somewhere in that range. Right. So it was like a low end QB one on average. And so if you then look at tight ends who had top five quarterbacks, uh, there was a big, big gap. Like, like the, the hit rate among tight ends with top five quarterbacks was so much bigger than six to 10, uh, 11 to 15, et cetera. Uh, like if, if you bucket them that way, and right. so if you look at top five quarterbacks by ADP and then associate them with their tight ends, two guys to me really stick, stick out. And they stuck out during this study, but one of them is emerging a little bit more now. One of them was Blake Jarwin, but now Dalton Schultz is a little bit more involved. So it's not as easy to sort of latch onto him. The other one is Dawson Knox and Jacob Hollister just got cut yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Jacob Hollister just got cut from Buffalo. Buffalo has their issues at wide receiver right now as well. I, I, I wouldn't be that I say issues just because there's a lot of just ambiguity going on with the, with the group. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a potential breakout situation for Dawson Knox uh, in, in Buffalo. He's something that I'm targeting very, very late in like, like I did the Mike Clay's going deep draft last night and I got him at like tight end 30. Cause it's a start two tight end league. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by, by, uh, Dawson Knox. Let me just give you an, an example of this. If you look at 
tight ends drafted after pick 150 over the last decade. Uh, and you look at tight ends who then had a, a top five quarterback, these tight ends who had a top five quarterback uh, attached to them. You have 24 tight ends who had ADPs drafted after 150 and had a top five quarterback. Of those 24, four of them were, quote, breakout tight ends, which really is not that bad of a hit rate when you're talking about players who are being drafted after pick 150. You have Julius Thomas the year that he broke out. You have Benjamin Watson in New Orleans one year, Kobe Fleener one year in Indianapolis. Uh, and then Brent Selleck actually was one of them wow. uh, in, in 20, back in 2011. Uh, it was probably Donovan McNabb as his quarterback. Um, and so I, I'm just, I'm a little bit intrigued by that. And I, I think another guy that you could look at as like a very, very deep option. Like I'm, I think going after like Janu Smith is a great idea right now. I mean, like Janu fits yeah. so much of the mold of what I generally am looking for in a breakout tight end and a late round tight end. And I know his ADP is rising a little bit probably because of the Mac Jones stuff, but I, I still think John is a really, really good pick, but another guy is Juwan Johnson out of new Orleans. Who's now running as their primary pass catching tight end. Adam Troutman's banged up too. Um, and, and he's an, he's an ex wide receiver. He's younger, uh, but he's an ex wide receiver. If they use him in that role and there's not, I mean, there are no pass catchers in that offense. I think that Juwan Johnson could be someone who, who surprises. Yeah. I was going to mention uh, Johnson who, it was listed uh, recently on, on DraftKings as a wide receiver. So I'm oh, hoping, really? yeah, I'm hoping that that, that changes at some point. I think it will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Getting back to Knox real quick. I really like Knox a, because of what she said, attaching your late round or like getting a late round tight end who is attached to an elite uh, quarterback in Josh Allen. Uh, but Knox is on the field a lot. He, he, he yeah. doubled, he, he doubled the snap count of, of the next closest Buffalo tight end last year. Um, you know, he didn't run a ton of routes. Like uh, I have 21 and a half pass routes per game last year. That's not, not fantastic, but that, that can rise. And, and the, the team, the, and this is, this is not quite quantifiable, but the team wants Dawson Knox to be a thing like mm-hmm. desperately. They want Dawson Knox. And you kind of saw that last year in Buffalo's uh, postseason run. Um, he had, uh, he kind of teased us. He had uh, uh, 11 catches and two touchdowns in Buffalo's three uh, playoff games. So, uh, you know, he, he can, he can be a thing. And if the, if the receiver injuries don't get any better, I think that's even, that's even better for, for Knox. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Neil Dutton uh, on Patreon. He said, I was informed on, on the Twitter that streaming tight ends was a myth. If this is, if this is true, can I hold you to personally responsible for how much time I've spent on the subject? <laughs> I want to address this because a lot of people saw my response on Twitter when uh, Dave Kluge, great guy uh, and great analyst, he sent a tweet out that said that tight end streaming is generally a myth and, you know, was, was tweeting about it a little bit. And, I, you know, I don't think that either of us necessarily like fully, fully disagree with the take. Um, I think that the disagreement is a lot of it is based on recency bias because, uh, if you look at the last couple of seasons, it's been a lot more last season, especially it was a lot more difficult to stream the tight end position uh, and, and the quarterback position for that matter. But it was a lot easier or a lot more difficult last year to stream the tight end position. The reason in, in 2019, uh, we streamed the tight end four in, in points per game. Uh, and that was without the benefit of because that was Darren Waller's breakout. Yeah. That was without the benefit of just holding on to Darren Waller and having him as a tight end for us throughout the season. Right. Because we have to adjust based on percent rostered. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think that tight, I, 
I don't think that you should go into a season because, you know, this is where I do agree with, with Dave is that, you know, don't go into a season saying I'm going to stream tight ends, no matter what you should. And don't even do that with quarterback. You should be trying to find a guy who you can plug and play each and every week. But the argument for tight end streaming is that tight end is such a D fire, you know, late in, I can't believe Why did I, why did I shorten dumpster there? Uh, <laughs> I couldn't figure out what he, what you meant. <laughs> I was like, I was like a, a dick fire. <laughs> Sorry to the kids. So tight end is such a dumpster fire. You know, once you get to tight end eight, nine, 10, it's not that hard to match that kind of production with guys off the waiver wire because you need like four catches for 40 yards. And maybe you might not even need a touchdown in a PPR format to, for, to, to get close to matching that. So, um, you know, that's where I stand with the tight end streaming stuff. I just want to address that a little bit because, you know, I responded to, to Dave. And there was a lot of like, oh, yeah, you got you, man. That's not what this is. Guys, when I respond to people on Twitter, like I'm legitimately trying to have a discussion about fantasy football. I'm not trying to like drive someone off of the platform, right? Yeah, like, right. like I, I want, like, I just want a back and forth. I'm just trying to like learn more and see where someone else's brain is at so that I can become a better analyst. It's not like trying to get this person. Like Dave is a really good guy. He's a very nice person. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to like argue with a dude. I'm just having yes. a discussion. Stop being the kids in the lunchroom in the cafeteria saying fight, fight, fight. You're right. Fight. Right. I, I like, can't stand that. That stuff annoys me more than literally anything that happens in my mentions. Like people can call me whatever they want. They can say, I, I cannot stand when people pit analysts against each other. It's, I hate it, it. I mean, you were just, you were just discussing, you know, and, and saying, oh, no, well, it actually can be done. And the, the goal is not to stream. That's something that gets lost in these conversations. And there's I, I've I've come to grips with the fact that there's there's no pushing back uh, against the idea that uh, we want to stream all the time, and which is just not the case. Like you definitely want to land a waller and just be set like no, no one wants to stream. Right. I think that that gets that gets lost. Oh, one more, one more tight end. We're talking about we're talking about streaming tight ends. Tyler Croft with Herndon yeah, gone. Yeah, Tyler Croft. Yeah, sure. Yeah, with Herndon gone in, in New York, like Tyler Croft's going to be like a thing. He's going to run a ton of routes. He's going to be on the field a lot. I like him a lot. Yeah, I th I still think Donald Parham is interesting too. If you guys just want to, he's more of like a stash type tight end. Right. If you can if you can roster multiple, but yeah, Tyler Croft is someone who's a lot safer and has should should get production right away. Um, we got another one from Tom S favorite late round targets in redraft. Um, so let's just, I, I have a list. I'll just throw it out there. Cause I know this is hard to think of just off the top of your head and just be like, so <laughs> depends what you're talking about with late. Like I really like getting, for instance, Michael Pittman. Right. But he's not yeah. like, he's not like late, late if you're talking late, late. Um, you know, I'm, I'm into going after like a Tyson Williams right now. Uh, we already talked about Dawson Knox, Josh Palmer. I have so much Josh Palmer in redraft right now. Really? And I, I didn't even, I didn't even like him at all. I, I barely knew him as a prospect. Like he was in my model and like, I knew that he existed, but I did not expect him to have the draft capital that he had, but the, the positive vibes out of camp with, with him in, in LA, the fact that they don't have a lot of competition there, you know, Hunter Henry's gone too. Um, I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if he has like some sort of role AJ Green, someone who I think is interesting because he's going to probably play on the outside right away uh, in Arizona across from DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Rondell Moore in that same offense I think is intriguing too. Paris, yeah. Cam Paris Campbell, especially now that the T.Y. Hilton injury happened. I feel like Emmanuel Sanders is very under undervalued right now uh, still. 
you know, there's, I think that there's this assumption that Gabriel Davis is going to be the starter there, but it's by some people, but it's not the case. I mean, he's no. still, he's still number four on that team. Um, and so Emmanuel Sanders is going to be on the field right away in a pass heavy offense, pass friendly offense with Josh Allen. So I like that. And then, you know, just go after those pass catching backs like James White, Gio Bernard is a Denny favorite. Um, you know, Ty Johnson, I think is intriguing. And then the other guy who I'm also drafting everywhere is Boston Scott. I like, I, I genuinely think that Boston Scott is going to have a role immediately on that team, given how that coaching staff talks about running backs and how they've utilized running backs in the past, the systems that they come from. Uh, and Miles Sanders has also had uh, pass catching woes. Now I will say this, I'm a, I'm a big, big Kenny Gainwell stan. Uh, and I, I, I loved him during the draft process and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he emerges, especially like during the second half of the season as like the primary pass catching back there. But I think if you need that, like cheap RB two points, if you went like hero RB or something, um, Boston Scott in a PPR format's fine. They get Atlanta in week one. Oh yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah, no, I, I have a lot of Boston Scott. I mean, as a zero RB truther, they, all those, a lot of those running backs he just said are, are on my rosters uh, often together. Uh, Ramadre Stevenson in every single draft for me yeah, um, is, is, uh, is a thing that's happening and has been happening for a while. Uh, you know, Cam being uh, released is, I think, well, it's great news for, uh, for all, you know, for fantasy purposes across the New England lineup, including Stevenson. I understand Damian Harris is going to get first crack at that early down role, but Stevenson can kind of do it all. Like he was a good pass catcher and a productive pass catcher in college. So um, James White is not going to go anywhere. I understand that. Uh, But Stevenson could, I think could really, really pop in that offense. If, if he gets the shot and in a long season, like, like we have, I think that it's, it's a good chance. He's going to get a chance. Yeah, I liked him as a prospect. A lot of people thought that he was a plotter. Um, and, and, you know, I understand that to some degree, but when he was active and playing, because he had like a suspension and like during the, the his junior season or something, because he was like a transfer and he had all these issues, whatever. But when he played, his reception share and, and the way they utilize him as a receiver at that size was like alarming. Yeah. I was like, holy yeah. crap, he's got like a 13, 15% reception share per game. Uh, and I was I was all about that. Uh, next question is from Jamie from Patreon. He says, how do you guys manage to keep things fresh after being together all these years? <laughs> I mean, massages, uh, I, yeah. I wear a little, uh, little skimpy outfit for the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually wearing my, uh, NBC sports edge pullover right now. So that's yeah. not true. I'm wearing my, my, my Dickies t-shirt. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, I don't know if we can say that on air, but, uh, that's yeah, true. the, yeah, we 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 try to we try to spice spice it up a, a little bit. Uh, no, I, I there there's there's no there's no secret besides you know liking you know liking the podcast, enjoying talking to each other. I think yeah, it's it. it's friendship and we respect each other, and it's a lot easier to to do shows when you have that. If I trust me, if I didn't like Denny at this point, we would not be doing a show. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just the last the last limb in the stream would have been uh, 2015. That's right. That's right. Uh, this last one from Patreon is from Johnny Pastrami. Uh, which, in your humble opinions, is the best burger chain restaurant? Oh man, what are you, you know, what are you going with? They, they they finally put a so as you guys know, I eat like a like a um just a, a frail geriatric at this point, like a know. bird, I would yeah, say, yeah, basically. Um, but I they did put a Shake Shack finally down here in my my community, um, and 
it was very good. I mean, like I, cause it's not as uh, disgustingly greasy as like five guys. Like I, I feel like five guys is like a go-to answer for this question for a lot of people, but I find five, maybe it's cause I ate a lot of it in college cause it was on, on Pitt's campus. But like, I find five guys to just be incredibly greasy and heavy and just gross. It is it, the, the grease soaks through the bun. Yeah. It's just too much for me. Like I, I can't handle that stuff anymore, man. Like I, I even like, you know, I, I, I now, I now eat gluten dairy free pizza. There's a pizza shop that will, that does that. Does, I know it sounds disgusting. It sounds horrible, but like, I, I don't know any of you who like eat pizza and afterwards you're just like, uh, like, cause oh. there's just so much grease on it and stuff. Yeah. Right. But when, but I'm, the, I'm eating like this gluten dairy free pizza. It doesn't have that same kind of like grease element to it. And it's so much more enjoyable. And maybe it's because I'm in my thirties now. And this, this is just the way that human bodies evolve. And like, you just can't consume that kind of grease anymore, but it's a lot more of an enjoyable experience when you don't have to like deal with that grease. I, JJ, I get it. I, I have been, I have been dabbing the hell out of my pizza Yeah. since, since I don't know, since I was in my early twenties. I yeah. I'm disgusted by, by the grease on pizza. I'm disgusted by pizza generally, but um, you know, I will, I will eat it. If it's the only thing, if, if that's what we have for dinner, folks, I'm eating it. And, but I will dab it uh, until there is little to no, no grease on it. So you're telling me that the, the, the special uh, hippie pizza that you eat is um, uh, it doesn't have grease. No, it doesn't have a lot. Cause like, the 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 cheese there's no like it's not dairy filled cheese right it's it's dairy free cheese and they that's just there's not grease on it because of the way they make it because of, of of what the ingredients are and stuff i gotta get some of this pizza it's good it's good yeah anyone in my area hit me up and i'll, I'll send you a a link to to this place i used to work in bethesda maryland uh which is which is a place with lots of very fancy eating establishments including there was a a pizza shop like that. And I was always grossed out by it, but it turns out I probably would have liked it more than traditional pizza. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to go to Twitter now. I think this is one of the better questions we've gotten in a while. Uh, so, so congrats to Jason Brown at number one punna, a uh, friend of the show. He says, whenever you go to a grocery store, i.e. Harry Teeters or whatever, which direction, <laughs> which direction do you go first, right or left? Um, I, I go further right than my dad's politics. <laughs> it is, I, I honestly, I read this question and I thought to myself, who among us goes left when you enter a grocery store? No one. No, no. who like, I need, I need people to hit us up and say that they go left. And not only that, maybe film yourself going left to prove it because I don't believe you. They, they will. They will yeah, do it. I probably shouldn't say that because someone will, will film themselves walking into a grocery store. Oh, man. Uh, but no, no one goes left. You don't go left. And then I was also thinking, how many groceries? Because you usually go to the produce first, and it's usually on the right, like typically on the right. But then I was thinking to myself, right. although my Whole Foods, my local Whole Foods has produce on the left. And it's it's it kind of started throwing me off because no. I- yeah. You know, I don't go to Whole Foods that I usually am a Harris Teeter uh, snob, but when, I mean, Whole Foods is probably even like more snobbish, but I, the, the, <laughs> the produce, sorry to everyone who goes to Whole Foods. I just, I just, I just uh, made fun of 50% of our audience, yeah. uh, but it, the, the produce is on the left at our Whole Foods. And I still though, I still go right. 
but I'm not going to Whole Foods for like a traditional shopping experience. Usually it's usually for like, you know, back, back before COVID like salad bar stuff and whatnot, right. not, not to get my groceries. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. It, well, the most stores are designed to filter you, right? Like, yeah. like you, you go in and you're filtered, right? And then you do a loop, right? Yeah. And, and, and I've heard, is this true? Have you ever heard this? That if you stay on the outside of the grocery store and never go into the aisles, that, 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 you know, that's where the healthy food is. Uh, I, yes, I think that's true, but it's, it's also, there's a lot of, I remember back in college, I, I took a quantitative methods class and we, you know, you talk about like cues and like, you know, lines and stuff and like how to properly adjust lines for like checkout and whatnot. But also there was a lot of like grocery store, like I'm sure there's like a degree in like grocery store theory or something like that. Like, like yeah. to, <laughs> to, to get people to, uh, behave in certain ways. That's why in a grocery store, the milk and the bread is usually like in the back of the store because they want you to walk through the store in order to get the most substantial yeah. thing that, that most people need to get the so exposure. They, so you're exposed to all the, all the, the shit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's stuff like that, that we're, I mean, we, we are just being controlled by corporate America as we all know. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. People. Yeah. I think we have to come to terms with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The amount of stuff that these people are doing to us. It's, it's it's why I go, I go to the store sometimes planning to buy three things and I end up spending $80. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe we should be going left when we, when we enter the grocery store, like just to be like, you know what? Screw you, Harris. T. Screw you, Kroger corporate. I'm going left. I'm going left. I'm not going right. You want me to go right. It, it feels like a crime against nature though. I have to say to go yeah. left. Yeah. For real. All right. I think that's all we're going to be able to get to today, Denny. That was a good one to end on though. I think that, that it'll, it'll spark some conversation on Twitter. Uh, I think but so. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm almost afraid to tell people to go to my Twitter now, but it's at CD Carter 13 on, on Twitter. Uh, all my work is on NBC sports hedge. I recently wrote the week one kicker column folks. It's out. You can stop pelting my house with eggs. I'd appreciate that very much. Stop leaving dog feces on my doorstep. The kicker column's out. Check it out on NBCSportsEdge.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Late Round QB. I have my other podcast, the Late Round Podcast, which can be found anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, I should say that if you guys want to join our Patreon, it's it's the Living the Stream Patreon. We will in season be posting our streamers early on on that page before we record this show. So if you are a patron, uh, a patron. I feel like I said Patreon. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a patron, uh, you will get those early uh, and be able to sort of mess with your waiver wire before we we do the show. And that's really, you know, the Patreon is the way that we're able to sustain the show and do the show. Um, so we really appreciate all of our patrons. If you guys want to go join that, go search for it, go look for it. Denny, you know, maybe some dairy-free milkshakes. Does that Does that work for you? That's fine. You know, I'm I'm willing, I'm willing to try in my old age. I'm willing to try anything. Okay. Thanks, Denny. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we will catch you next week for our week one show. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out Sure about the teams and